Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott, and I'm happy to be joined again by returning champion and probably the most frequent guest we've ever had here on the podcast. He's actually like a co-host at this point, and that is Dean. Dean, how are you? Wow. Am, am I going to move up to a regular payroll? Can I get a no, co-host title? That's that's reserved for, for me and me alone. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm the thanks one for having me paychecks. back. No, well, it's, it's great to be with you again, as always. And for the record, in case our audience is wondering, I do not get paid for this. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is a uh, a free donation I'm making to the public of uh, theme park fans. You're, you're drawing the same salary I had on butter and bacon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, how you been, man? Everything good? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, a, a little tired, uh, based on what we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, mm -hmm. it's it's. Uh, February in Connecticut, so there's snow on the ground and temperatures are hitting 50s. And uh, when the weather vol is that volatile, uh, it definitely leads to illness. So uh, apologies yes. if the voice is a little rough tonight, but uh, the the excitement and energy of having this conversation will get me through any uh, downturn in weather or feeling under the weather. Yes. Lots of people under the weather everywhere I go. I, I may sound a little congested. I'm actually not that congested, but uh, maybe your congestion is carrying over to me. It could be. I, th I think it just jumps right through these uh, these microphones and gets you from, I don't know how many hundreds of miles away you are. <laughs> I don't know that we should measure it. Um, anyhow, why don't we get right into the show topic tonight? Because you're going to be telling us about your very recent trip to a place called Walt Disney World. Going to be talking to us about some highlights of the trip and some thoughts from your recent visit. And then we'll see where the episode goes from there. So, Dean, why don't you begin by telling our listeners when you went and where you stayed, you know, the basics, who, what, where, when, why, and how. Yeah, yeah, you said recent trip, and, uh, and it's about as recent as it can get because we came home Sunday. We're recording this on Tuesday. <laughs> so it's, uh, we left actually on Valentine's Day. So how about that for a Valentine's Day present? We, uh, not bad. My son went to school for the day. We got him out a little bit early. Uh, for logistical reasons, I needed a car service to take us down to the New Haven airport, and we flew into MCO, uh, about seven o'clock on Valentine's Day, and we were there right through until Sunday when we flew back into the Hartford Airport. So, mm -hmm. uh, some some fun fun games played by JetBlue, messing with our schedule, but we were not going to be denied, and we found our way to Walt Disney World. So, how many nights total was that? That was five. That is four nights total. Four, four nights. Stayed, four nights uh, total. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night stay at the Wilderness Lodge, and mm -hmm. uh, came home Sunday. Now. We talked about the weather already. Uh, it actually snowed the Tuesday right before we left on Wednesday. And that's significant because my in-laws were with us on this trip and they were scheduled to fly on Tuesday. Uh, they actually saw the storm coming back their own trip up and left on Monday uh, and went home Saturday. And uh, we had talked about maybe having my son miss all day of school on Wednesday and flying out Tuesday night. Glad we didn't do that because that scheduled flight uh, took, I think, two days to actually get off the ground. Wow. Uh, okay. So that would have been a nightmare. Wow. That's interesting. So you you made it based on your original schedule. And tell us about Wilderness Lodge. Haven't stayed there in a few years. I was only there for one night when I did stay there. What was your impression of the hotel? Yeah, it's, it's Wilderness Lodge is an interesting one because it falls into the deluxe category. And I've often joked that it's a moderate plus. And that's mainly based on the size of the room. So if you're used to staying at the Polynesian, the contemporary Grand Floridian rooms, rooms of that size, this is noticeably smaller. Um, Wilderness Lodge really has sort of three sections, maybe four, depending on how you want to cut it up. There's the main Wilderness Lodge. Um, so you, when you go to rent a room, you're staying at Wilderness Lodge. Then there's two sets of villas. So we stayed at the regular Wilderness Lodge proper in a, a cash paid room. Um, not using points or anything like that from DVC. You can stay at Copper Creek, which is the newer section, mm -hmm. or you can stay at Boulder Ridge, which is the older original DVC section of the Wilderness Lodge. And I said three, maybe four, because Copper Creek is split up into the regular Copper Creek, which is really one part of the horseshoe of the building of Wilderness Lodge or the cabins. Uh, so that's the first time I've seen the cabins in person, kind of walked out and, and checked those out. Those look pretty cool. Um, so Wilderness Lodge has a lot going on room wise the challenge i think they have is they have not really expanded their dining options mm -hmm. and so roaring fork which is their quick service place is quickly overwhelmed at prime meal times by so many people that stay there 
Um, they took Artist Point, which was signature dining, and turned it into character dining. And then you have Whispering Canyon, which is sort of the the regular, uh, you know, standard one table service credit on the meal plan type dining. So uh, a couple different places to eat. We experienced a few of them. Um, I didn't mention also the uh, Geyser Point. That's Bar and Grill out by the pool area. Mm-hmm. Is a that's probably the one thing they did add for capacity of dining, uh, and that's actually where we had our meal the first night. Okay, and how was that meal? So uh, I've often been a burger aficionado when it comes to Walt Disney World, and it's changed over the years uh, where my favorite burger was. For a while, it was at Olivia's. Uh, I, I I did like the Grand Floridian Cafe burger, although lobster on the burger didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, this is my new favorite burger on property. Uh, they big have a bison right burger. There. Big, big statement. Big statement. Big statement, especially compared to what we had a little later in the trip, which is a lot of other people's favorite burger on property. Um, yes, in four nights meals i had two burgers um, that's okay but yeah this is a bison burger and uh so t- here's the story with guys point it's outdoors it's open air venue in february when it gets down to the 50s and some wind off the water it's pretty chilly out there so they have area heaters which is pretty nice um and you know it's, it, it is a bar very much a bar so there's a, a center bar tvs um you know casual service not really super attentive service but you expect that at a bar like this um, but just a really relaxed vibe out there. And because of our arrival time, we, we landed at MCO a little after seven. We drove up to Wilderness Lodge as the fireworks were starting, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we got outside and saw, caught the end of the fireworks from Geyser Point, then got seated and stayed there long enough to catch the electric water pageant come by. Oh, nice. So that's, that's cool. A lot of cool, classic Disney <laughs> vibes, just hanging out out there and watching fireworks and seeing the water pageant. But the food's really good. The drinks are good. The service was pretty good for what type of venue it was. Uh, and they do have takeaway there. So if you want to do a to-go order, you can do that from there as well. So I thought it was pretty good. What's um, the price point there? Uh, typical, you know, little upcharge. Uh, like burger was like 20 bucks. Uh, okay. They had a charcuterie board that was in the low 20s. It's not drinks bad. are in the teens. Um I remember what everybody at the table had. My wife had a chicken sandwich. She liked it quite a bit. That was probably in the, the upper teens. Um, my son went with gluten-free chicken and uh, and fries. So uh, very accommodating for any allergies that one might have. Um, and yeah, just a really great way. In some ways, my favorite meal of the trip. Just a really nice way to start the vacation. That we is. Had talk, we had talked about dropping the bags and going because uh, they had the, uh, the late hours for deluxe guests at Magic Kingdom that night. But um the gas wasn't there. <laughs> we oh, just, yeah. We no, no, no. It's, we couldn't push it on yourself. travel day. Yeah. So so we hung out, enjoyed a slow, relaxed first meal. Uh, mm-hmm. We went to bed probably you know upstairs by 10, 10, 15, and uh, got ready to start the vacation the next morning. And how was your room at Wilderness Lodge? The room was fine. Um, I know there's some reports of, of kind of worn down. Maybe the room's a little bit old, a little bit dated, but it's also a lodgy feel. Yes. So it's probably more classic than dated. Um, but you know, all the proper ports and plugins that you need. Um, it had a, a little mini fridge, which we used for holding some snacks and things like that. Uh, bathroom was, was well appointed. So it's, again, it's a smaller room. I don't have the numbers, but I'd say it's probably close to 70 to hundred square feet smaller than a room at the contemporary. So you feel that. Yes. Uh, you f- even with a party of three, you feel that. Yes, um, you do. But it's not. It's not bad, and and we had a beautiful view over the pool. Uh, and That's we a great, the great view. The pool there yeah, is beautiful. We, the pool's beautiful. The geyser going off is beautiful, and it's uh, it looks out over the lake. Yes, uh, and that was the sunrise side. So in the morning, we'd catch a beautiful sunrise uh, coming up over the pool. Nice way to start the day, right there. Yeah, it was gorgeous. I think I sent you a picture on that one. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I meant to post it. I have to get around to posting it. Um, actually, it'd be a good post to promote this episode. Now that I think there about you go. It. Yeah, you use it as your uh, your, your clip art there. Your so as, <laughs> as I've uh, been liking to do recently on these trip report shows, I like to jump around and go from one thing to another. It's kind of like a random playlist of topics. So now why don't we take a fast pass and go over to Summer House on the Lake, a new restaurant at Disney Springs, which I'm very eager to try. And there's rumors of a meal there together this summer yeah. that may be developing. But uh, this was your first experience at the restaurant. And why don't you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so apologies to Nick, because we were going to go to Polite Pig that day, uh, but nobody was feeling barbecue. 
And so we're looking for something different to do. Like I said, Geyser Point was a new meal for us. I'd never been there before. And with Summer House, we thought, all right, well, this is one, uh, you know, if we're going to do this with Scott in the summer, let, let's go give it a, a little scouting report and yes. see how, how we feel. Now, I am of an age very much in the Gen X population. So things like brunch and rosé don't speak to me. <laughs> and that's very much the vibe here. It's, it's Californian. It's very millennial. Uh, yes. in in menu and approach um that said we enjoyed it quite a bit it was uh it was a good meal um thankfully you had any trouble getting the, in no uh we had no reservation we walked up and we we're seated within 45 seconds oh wow okay good um yeah there was there was and it was not full but it was busy uh there was definitely energy going on folks were coming in checking out the cookie bar um more than half the tables were full already and we were all but rope dropped it. I mean, we, we were there before noon. Uh, but again, because it was a brunch menu, we're talking pancakes, waffles, egg sandwiches, mm -hmm. wraps, some other entrees as well. Um, it was definitely, uh, it was good that I was in the mood for an egg sandwich. Sure. <laughs> so I went with the uh, the breakfast burrito, uh, which was really good and came with a side salad, which eh, I, I could have done without the side salad. Right. Um, my son ordered an egg sandwich. He went... Uh, gluten-free bread, egg, avocado, toast with a side of fries. He was very, very happy. Okay, um, good. Normally that would also come with the side salad. He didn't. He didn't want a salad. Uh, and then couldn't even remember what my wife got to be honest with you. Right, right. Uh, but I remember she liked hers. I, I want to say it was another chicken sandwich, um, but that's that one's not jumping out to me. Um, but overall, you know, I I think that the the service was fine. Uh, if you demand really attentive service, this may not be the place for you. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't mind kind of the laid back, you know, we'll kind of get you when we get you. It's not going to be too long until we get back, but we're not really on top of the process. That that was kind of our service experience. Was um, it stuffy? Did you find it stuffy? No. Um, and yes, she did have, I'm looking at the picture now. She did have a chicken sandwich. There you go. <laughs> a lot of avocado on the menu. She also had avocado on her sandwich. Um it wasn't stuffy. It was pretty, uh, actually. Yes. It was it's a very nice space. It's it's um it's very bright, uh, very white, uh, very modern, mm -hmm. uh, very Californian, which is kind of what they're going for. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it stuffy. I just think it was a little. And maybe it was our server. Uh, it definitely wasn't the you know check in three four times throughout the meal. You know, glasses stayed empty for a little longer than you might normally expect that kind of thing. But again. If you're there and understanding that it, this is kind of a feel of relax, have brunch, hang out with your friends, not really concerned about time, not looking to run out and catch a fast pass type mentality. Right. It's a great restaurant for that. So that'll be good conversation this summer. Yeah. If we end up going this summer, I mean, when we did dinner together last time, what was it? About three hours? Yes. Um, I don't think this place will mind if we're hanging out, having another round and, and there for three hours. They have a drink on the menu. As a Beatles fan, I noticed this. It's called Strawberry Fields, and it's a very popular drink. I've seen it featured in lots of videos about the uh, restaurant. I want to try it. What's looks in good. that one? I don't know what's in it. It just looks good. You know, sometimes you see a drink, you're like, yeah, that's going to be good. All right. It was. Not, I have a picture of the menu from when I was there. It was not on the menu, at least not listed. <laughs> it probably got um, rid of it right after right before I recorded. <laughs> well, and they do have a different menu for dinner than brunch. So on the brunch menu, the specialty cocktails were uh, basically like a jalapeno. Um, what do they call that drink? Oh, it's like a, a grapefruit tequila type drink. Um, Paloma. It's like a jalapeno Paloma. They have something called Tropical Dreams, which mm -hmm. is a lime honey vodka drink. They have a regular margarita. The, the one I thought you were going to mention was Lavender Haze. Taylor. Uh, yeah. So it's gin, blueberry, lavender, and lemon. They have something called Two Tickets to Paradise, which is another tequila-based drink. What I got was the Endless Summer Old Fashioned, which was nice. pretty good. Uh, and then the last one was an espresso martini. Okay, um, that's good. I'm here at uh, Disney Food Blog, and they did talk about the the strawberry fields made with strawberry, sage, and lavender. It costs 9 bucks. Bubbly like soda okay. water with a nice strawberry flavor. Gotcha. Okay, so that's going to be on the zero-proof uh, list. I don't have a picture of that. I only had a picture of the specialty cocktails. Okay. <laughs> yes. Dean, tell me about another highlight of your trip, please. Well, it stays at the summer house. So oh. you may be familiar. They do have cookie bar there. 
Yes, I am now, familiar. Now, we were there on Saturday, so we had started that day at the studios, but left because unlike a so- summer Florida rain, it was just downpouring, and it was not going to stop anytime soon. And in fact, it started raining pretty steadily by 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. We flew out the next day at 4 o'clock almost, and it was still raining. Hadn't stopped. Wow. Uh, so Saturday and, and Sunday morning were pretty much a washout from a park's perspective. Uh, so that's how we ended up downtown. And so we went to the cookie bar. Mm-hmm. And so we grabbed a chocolate chip cookie, and we grabbed, I forgot what they called it, but it was basically kind of like a, a I don't, it's not really a vanilla cookie, but like a cookie base with a thick chocolate frosting on it. Mm-hmm. Now, we wanted to do the taste test, so we headed over to Gideon's, and because it was downpouring, there was maybe eight people in line. Right. Probably the fastest I've ever gotten in there. So we grabbed Gideon's cookies, too. Uh, grabbed a chocolate chip cookie to compare. We grabbed a coffee cake cookie to have for breakfast the next day, which we ended up bringing home and had for breakfast here. <laughs> and then we had uh, each of the specialty cookies of the month. So they had a, it was a spicy uh, cherry chocolate cookie. And okay. they had a strawberry chocolate cookie. Right. I saw that on the picture you sent me of the menu. I was yeah. talking to my wife about that. We were analyzing the cookies. And then we got the peanut butter cold brew, mostly to taunt Nick. Yes. Um, which is always good. And and actually kind of funny, there's it's uh they they make all of their coffees with oat milk. Yes. So there's no dairy in their coffee. So my son can drink it, except it is coffee. <laughs> and he doesn't really drink coffee. Right. Um, but he he loved I let him try the peanut butter cold brew. He loved it. How's the uh, peanut butter uh, taste of their flavor? Is it strong? It's the one we had at least this time was very front peanut butter, very okay. peanut butter forward. Yeah, strong, strong. Doesn't really taste like coffee. It almost tastes like a a thin peanut butter milkshake, mm. uh, but with, but with no milk. So he probably had a good third to half of that coffee. So he was pretty amped up the rest of the day. <laughs> right. Um. So I'd love to tell you that it's a close race and that we have a battle for best cookie in Disney Springs. And if Gideon's didn't exist, Summer House cookies are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gideon's does exist. And so right. 11 times out of 10, I'll get in Gideon's line. Wow. I would, I'd rather wait the 45 minutes to an hour in person or put myself on the list to come back to Gideon's than get a Summer House cookie. I have some and questions. it's just a tribute okay. to how good Gideon's is. It, yes, it's not so, a knock on Summer House per se. So those that have had Gideon's know that each cookie weighs about half a pound. You literally yeah. can like, it's when you bend it, it's not a hard break. It's a soft break because they're so, so good. But um, <laughs> anyhow, is the summer house cookie like that? Is it a harder cookie? It's a harder cookie. Um, when we had the one with the frosting on it, when we broke that, it had like a little bit of a crisp snap to it. Right. The chocolate chip cookie. How do you describe it? It's more of a dry cookie. It's, it's, it's more crumbly. Like when you, you want to drink, milk or, or coffee or something when you eat a, 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 a um, summer house chocolate yeah, chip that, I, I think knowing hearing what you're saying i'm going to like the gideon's cookie more uh i will of course try summer house cookies how were their dessert options at the restaurant besides cookies what um nothing that jumped off the plate at me that we wanted because we were going to try a few different things and then there was really nothing that i can't remember what they were but nothing that was really exciting we're like all right we'll, we'll grab cookies now the cool thing is you don't have to go get in line and wait for cookies at the cookie bar if you're eating at the restaurant, they will bring them to the table for you. You can add them right onto the bill and, and oh, put it as part of the, the check. So that's what we did. We ordered a couple cookies to go mm-hmm. uh, as part of our actual like bill or whatever you want to call it, you know, then from the regular lunch. Did you feel at Summer House, one of the complaints I heard is that it's expensive for the portion size? That's probably fair. Mm-hmm. That's probably fair overall, but that's a pretty common occurrence in most disney restaurants yes uh now some some places down there will you know are a little bit more gluttonous in the serving size but yeah i think that that's probably a fair criticism i think it also depends and we've talked about this before i think it depends on your hometown experience um you know it's not uncommon in connecticut to see places now where burgers are 15 16 17 dollars so going to a disney restaurant where they're 18 19 20 21 it's not that different uh, if if your hometown still offers your burger place at nine ninety five, yeah, mm-hmm. a twenty one dollar burger is going to catch your eye. Okay, summer ass in the lake though. So overall, you liked. Overall, I liked it. I would go back. Uh, I wouldn't say it would be the featured restaurant of my experience on any Disney trip. Mm-hmm. But if we're at at Disney Springs and it's available, and 
you know strikes the fancy i would definitely go back again would you prefer um, to go to splitsville or summer house it's funny you mentioned that because when we were done eating there my son said you know his was good he really liked the egg sandwich which by the way was 1895 uh, for an egg sandwich so when you talk about being expensive for the price my breakfast burrito was 1695 mm. um so they, they're up there the waffles were 17 dollars. the pancakes were 16 dollars. so um, certainly crispy chicken sandwich my wife got $19 for chicken right. sandwich and fries so yeah it, it is expensive for what it is um after he left he's like he said uh you know I kind of feel like having sushi like well you probably should have said that before we ate lunch right <laughs> and there's a couple sushi options and, and Splitsville came up as a conversation you know maybe we could have gone to eat there instead um I think it would depend on what what I'm in the mood for I kind of feel like if I'm going to Splitsville I want to be at a lane and be bowling I've never thought about Splitsville as a place to go eat without experiencing the bowling. So um, right. that might be the deciding factor for me. Yeah. Summer, I, I, again, like I said, I think it's a good, like, just hang out kind of casual, maybe have a drink or two, enjoy the the atmosphere. Right. It's a good place to have conversation with friends. Great review. Great, great summary right there. Uh, Dean, give me another highlight from the trip. Beyond the Gideon's cookie? Beyond the Gideon's <laughs> cookie. <laughs> Um, so I'll give you one and I know, you know, folks that have listened to me on your show and, and ours or mine, um, with Polly and with Nick have heard me talk a lot about gluten-free, dairy-free needs down on Walt Disney World. And so one of the benefits of staying at the Wilderness Lodge and something we've been doing on recent trips is trying to experience our resort a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the benefits of staying at Wilderness Lodge is they have Whispering Canyon right there. Now, folks that have been to Whispering Canyon probably don't think it jumps to front of mind for dietary restriction needs being met right because uh, their main feature at dinner time is a skillet yes um so you can order you know like the, the pig skillet i think is what they call it you get you know pork belly pulled pork pork ribs you can get the traditional that has a brisket and, and other um traditional like barbecue meats they have actually a uh, land and sea option they have a vegetarian vegetarian or plant-based uh, option um but most of those foods are actually dairy and gluten-free Mm-hmm. And my son likes barbecue. And that's actually why we ended up you know, going a little backwards in the story. That's why we ended up not going to Polite Pig and went to Summer House instead, because we had gone to Whispering Canyon the night before. So if you haven't been there before, it's got a little bit of shtick to it. And we had a fantastic server. Mm-hmm. He uh, he started calling my son Allergy Boy, <laughs> which you got to be in the right mood to take the sarcasm, right? Yes. Uh, thankfully, my son can give it as much as he takes it uh, or can take it as much as he can give it on the sarcasm side because he's yeah. really good at giving sarcasm. Um, so he made it really fun. We were there with my in-laws and, he, you know, he's picking on them about their age and and uh, talking to us about uh, about Allergy Boy and, you know, throwing the straws and we got the ketchup and the whole nine yards. So really good, fun family experience. And, you know, as my son has, has been figuring out and navigating these allergies he has, uh, one of the things he always says is he wants to eat things that are gluten and dairy free, not things that are naturally without gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. So a, a typical experience for him is to get the gluten free bun, order a burger, and the only thing they have for dessert is either sorbet or fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. Here they have a chocolate cake, gluten and dairy free. It's just it's the chocolate cake on the menu. They just make it that way. Right. They have they have something that's very misnamed as a panna cotta. It's really not a panna cotta. It's more like a it's almost like a pudding jello mix um, with fruit on top. Still a good dessert. Just it's not panna cotta. Right. But it's it's made with rice milk. It's not made with dairy. That's the dessert. It's not like you had to order it special. So he was over the moon. He actually ordered both desserts um, because he's just pumped to try that kind of stuff. So. It, it's a good place if you're one who doesn't like the attention you don't want the sarcastic server you know like if you would cringe at 50s prime time maybe right. not the restaurant for you if you find that stuff fun and it wasn't over the top it wasn't all the time um and your server is going to vary your experience so we had a really good service so we had a really good experience with this kind of stuff i think it's a it's a lot of fun it's a good family thing i think kids like to see their parents get picked on a little bit sure uh you know especially with grandparents there watching them get picked on a little bit a uh, lot of fun and again because we have annual passes this year and because we've, you've heard on your show <laughs> recaps of my trips we've gone a few times now we're trying to very uh, you know kind of branch out vary the trip based on where we stay and so having this meal at whispering canyon eating at geyser point like i mentioned and we actually had a couple of breakfasts at roaring forks 
it allowed us to really experience the resort and not just experience it as a place to stay or swim if you're going in the pool. Mm -hmm. Great review. And um, I have not been there for years. I went there as a little kid. I would like to go back at some point. Yeah, I think this is the first time my son's been there for dinner. We might have done a breakfast mm -hmm. with him there once. Um, I have loose memories of him riding the, the like, what do you call it, a stick pony? Is that what that's oh, called? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they did that while they we were there. He's a little too old to, I don't think he's too old to experience. I think he kind of wanted to, but they didn't offer it to him. Right, but we, right, we right. saw the little We saw the little kids line up and, and do a couple laps around the the uh, restaurant. So fun, fun stuff, just when you think about like the Disney fun, it, right. it falls right into that category of stuff you do on vacation. You wouldn't probably do this on a Saturday night in your own hometown. You definitely you know, go to wouldn't the, go to the goofy the restaurant type, like this. And this is the type of thing that's not affected by Genie Plus. You don't need to get yeah. into ride <laughs> reservations or anything like that. So that's a benefit. Speaking of Genie Plus, any stories from the parks of note? Um, So we only got Genie Plus, speaking specifically of that, on mm -hmm. our first day uh it it so i'll give you a little bit of, of stuff on the on the parks in general um we got there wednesday which is valentine's day we went to the parks thursday friday and saturday mm -hmm. we were going to go sunday but the weather kept us away the crowds got progressively heavier day after day and they're so, heavy now i mean we, we very saw stuff online the the peter pan peter pan's flight lightning lane was just you know, insane in terms of backlogged. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, continue. Yeah. So, so we saw, you know, we felt it. We, we saw the crowds, you know, just building day over day uh, to the point that on Friday, I think it was Friday afternoon. Right afternoon. Doesn't matter. I think it was Friday afternoon. We were Magic Kingdom. Uh, Small World had a 45 minute wait. Ooh. Yeah. That's when you so know the, it's the real deal. That's when you know it's time to <laughs> go back to right. <laughs> go eat at Whispering Canyon instead and have fun. Um, yeah, it was. So we did do Genie Plus the first day, which was Thursday. We started our day at Magic Kingdom, park hopped to Epcot uh, to get a little early experience of the flower. Um, sorry, Festival of Arts that's going on. Flower Garden starts next week. Right. Uh, festival of Arts is going on. I, it. I'll probably say this at any festival that I'm at. I think that's my favorite festival. Yeah. It's a little bit smaller than the other. It has a shorter run than the others. Um, but seeing the artists come in, the stuff they can do, you know, the chalk art, some of the interactive. Experience, experiences you can do um it, it really is just a little bit different now obviously if you're in the foodie mood food and wine is going to be the the cream of the crop there this does have food booths maybe mm -hmm. a dozen and a half or so not the what feels like i don't know what 50 60 booths that they probably not that many but you know sure. there's just much much more prevalent food and wine option uh during food and wine this still has some but not as much but the food's much prettier because right. the food is also an art form um, the thing about Festival of the Arts is that it's celebrating all sorts of art forms. We saw what I can probably best describe as like circus performers doing some of the, you know, feats of strength and contortionists and balancing acts. We saw singers. Mm -hmm. We saw painters. Um, my son did a spin art project. So the the um, assistant, I guess, the cast member <laughs> was right. on a bike pedaling while he squirted paint, uh, paint onto a canvas and it spread the paint around. So that was a nice souvenir to bring home. Sure. Um, and again, the food at the food booths are just artistic in nature. And so yes. um, we deliberately planned on doing that both Thursday afternoon, evening, and then Friday morning, trying to avoid the weekend crowds that would come in. Because again, President's Day weekend, there's a race this upcoming weekend. So the people who get to the race early make it a week-long vacation. They're starting to show up this weekend. Right. And then just locals getting into the last couple days of the festival because the festival ended on the 19th um it's just a lot you know it's a lot to uh to manage crowds wise i don't think that the parks are necessarily able to handle that level of crowd right um when it gets that thick and and obviously disney's built to handle the crowds but i don't think it handles it that well when it's that much coming at once mm -hmm. and maybe they're overselling genie plus i don't know a lot of people complaining you know genie plus rides were selling out um and you know you get there midday it's too late at that point to get right oh yeah for sure um but yeah i mean to to me this trip was about experiencing the festival more so than experiencing rides my guess if i had to add it up and i didn't do the numbers i think we maybe rode a dozen rides over four mm -hmm. days right or three days in the parks 
um, the last day of the Saturday when we went to the studios in the morning, we only rode uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. No. Oh, yeah. It, interesting thing about that. So we didn't quite rope drop, but we were there early. And it was posted, I think, 35 minute wait. And we said, let's just go for it. We got on the ride pre-show in 13 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes the, the actual weights are less. Um, and we experienced that a few times. It was something else. I can't remember what it was. 45 minute was the posted wait time. I think we waited 12, 15 minutes, something like that. So you know, Dean, especially early in the day. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It's interesting because you and I both have had the benefit of being at Disney World on a lot of different occasions, right? And that, therefore, it doesn't matter so much to us personally if we don't go on as many attractions. And that's kind of a result also, I think, of Genie Plus and the cost of it and planning. So if there's so much to do in Disney World itself that if you could go still ride attractions, but maybe do a little less of those, it could be a more relaxed, enjoyable vacation experience. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example that on the other side. So Eli has a friend who's a, a very talented softball player. She's in a tournament this weekend down mm -hmm. in Florida. And you know, they're also Disney fans. So they made it their way over to Walt Disney World. I think it was Monday. Uh, and of course, Monday was President's Day. And they were just livid because they spent the money on Genie Plus and couldn't get on anything. Wow. Um, you, you know, know they, how many they attractions made, they got on? I want to say it was three or four. Right. Um, so remember, the, we, we've talked about this a long time ago on the podcast. The fine print says you may get on an average of two to three extra attractions. Yeah. That's the fine print of Genie Plus. Yeah, because they weren't staying at a Disney hotel, so they couldn't make their first booking right away. By the time they did, it was later in the day already. When mm -hmm. they had to wait for the two hours to pass, most of the other stuff had sold out. You know, if you're, yes. yeah, look, look at a, a place like Epcot, right? There's not a ton of rides to begin with, and there's a couple of highlights. So you almost have to choose on a busy day, you have to choose walking in. Is my first Genie Plus going to be uh, Ratatouille, Test Track, Frozen? Right. Uh, if you miss whichever one you get, you're missing out on the other two. They will sell yes. out before the time passes to the next one. Oh, look, it's uh, kind of like uh, Hollywood Studios. If you choose Mickey's Railway, you're probably not getting Slinky Dog. Yeah, yeah, same problem. Um, the day that we're at Epcot, we actually purchased because I tried to do uh, the the virtual queue for Guardians. Uh, the whole system hiccuped and I missed out on the window, so I bought it. We waited for our 12.30 callback, got to the ride at like 12.35, the ride was down. Right. And so we ended up having to get a refund. We uh, mm -hmm. we didn't get on the ride that day. So yeah. Um, my over-under of hoping to get on at least one and a half times, uh, shooting for two in the same day, I wanted to do the, the virtual and buy it in the same day and hopefully get two different songs. We went over two. So <laughs> did not get on Guardians uh, yeah, this trip. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately, I mean, this is probably a topic for another episode, we love Disney. The, the trip experience has changed. And that's why, like you, for me personally, I really put the focus on other aspects of Disney World, like the hotels, the restaurants, the recreation, shopping, things like that. And of course, parks are still a part of it, just less important to me personally as they used to be. Yeah. And for a trip like this, did we have a lot of fun riding Mickey and Minnie's? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we laughed a lot. We congaed. We danced. Everything was great. Uh, the experiences that we had that are going to stick out as memories for me, uh, my son's art on that spin art uh, with the yeah. cast member riding the bike, like that's going to get framed and put up in our house. That's going to be a memory for as long as we have that art up. Um, totally. Our, our dinner at Geyser Point, having the water pageant come by, like those kind of experiences are much more long lasting than the umpteenth time that I've rode Peter Pan like we did on this trip. So, right. Um, the rides are fun and, and they are definitely part of your vacation. You are going to a theme park after all, but it's the other stuff, the character interactions. Um, my wife loves joy from inside out. Mm. When we got off figment, the line to meet joy was about six people long. We hopped in line. Sure. Um, and then we saw, um, we saw figment meet and greet across the room while we're waiting in line for joy. Like those types of things stick out a lot more than, you know, what actual attraction we rode. I agree. I totally agree. Um, any other highlights you want to talk about for your trip? Um, a lot of the other stuff was pretty, pretty standard fare. Yeah. Um, we had breakfast at Ohana. First time I'd done that in a long time. Uh, that was fun. My son is a pin collector. Uh, so he completed one set that he was shooting for. Sweet. Um, which he was very excited about. And then he's been collecting. They're actually from 2014. 
uh, his his favorite character, believe it or not, is Oswald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's been collecting these Oswald pins, and they're basically the same picture, just different colors. And I think they still do it on the sets. I honestly don't know, but they had they used to have like a number of regular pins you can get, and then there's always a chaser one. And ironically, he's gotten the chaser one in a trade three times, and he's got every other color but the purple one. And so it almost got to an obsession everywhere we went. He was looking at pin boards and you know looking at people trying to make trades. And unfortunately, we went the whole time. He did not find the purple Oswald, so that will be a focus of uh, our next Walt Disney World right. trip, I'm sure. I found it on eBay. He won't let me buy it. Like, no, Dad, it's it's pin trading. What's tra- the price? Pin, pin trading. I have to find it. It's cheap. It's under ten bucks. Oh come on, that's. I told him I'm going to buy it, and then next time we go down there, I'm going to ask the cast member to put it up on the board right before he walks up, and then he'll find it and be on yes. play. He's like, "Don't you can't do that to me. I want to find it organically. That's so, funny. Yeah. He, I well, think he likes the chase as much as he likes sure. completing the set. <laughs> uh, what do they say? Like, it's not the result, it's the journey or something like that? Yeah, not not the destination. It's the journey. Um. Anyhow, Dean, sounds like a great trip. We had a lot of fun packed into what was basically three full days down there. And, and it's it's an interesting length stay. Uh, for folks who have been to Walt Disney World a number of times, you know, if you go for the week-long stay, the eight, nine-day stay, those are expensive trips. And yes. not tell, believe me, this was an expensive trip for what it was. But there's a, I think this is a good length for just getting another taste of Disney mm-hmm. when you have a focus of the trip, whether it's a, a race weekend and you're running for this one for us it was festival of the arts maybe you're doing a holiday trip getting down there having three full days there and then a travel day home it's a nice sampling of walt disney world it and is. you don't you know you're not going to do it like we didn't even make it to animal kingdom right you know you're not going to do everything so you get to pick out the things that you want to enjoy for that trip it's kind of a nice way to do it i agree with you on that i t- totally agree another successful trip for a podcaster uh, with no autograph requests this time. <laughs> with no nice. autograph requests. Although I will tell you, my my wife randomly were hanging out in the lobby at Wilderness Lodge. She ran into a Facebook friend that she had never met in real person before, like in real life before. <laughs> They've only been Disney Facebook friends for like over a decade. And she recognized the woman her? Picked her. Yeah, the woman picked her out um, and said, oh, are you? And to my wife, called her name out. And then that was, they hang out and chatted for a good 10, 15 minutes until our table was called. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And yet here we are. You and I met years ago on Twitter. Same with Paul, Nick, right? <clears throat> We're proof that amidst the craziness of social media, good things happen. There are positives out there. And, and uh, I'm honored to have hung out with all of you guys in person at this point, that's which true. is awesome. That's I mean, true. That's, that's, uh, and actually, I hung out with all of you at Walt Disney World now because <laughs> uh, Paul and I met up uh, last year and Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a cool little function. There's a lot of negative out there on the internet. There's a lot of uh vitriol as they say, but uh there's a lot of positive that can come of it too, and I think this was a good example of it. There's one person who I've consistently missed at Disney by about a day, and that's our friend Kyle, who we podcasted yeah. with not too long ago. He often goes there around the same time as I do, and we've never been able to meet up. It's always been like a day apart or I'm arriving the day he's leaving or the day before he's leaving. It's just one of those things. Well, I'm, I'm a bad friend because he's lives like 40 minutes from me. <laughs> we should just go meet in between and, and uh, That's true. have have a beer at a restaurant. But uh, we haven't been able to pull that off yet. I would come up with like a, a backdrop of the <laughs> Magic Kingdom, put it next to the table so we could uh, pretend like we're at uh, Disney. Actually, that would be really weird now that I think about it. Yeah, that's just got a little awkward. <laughs> that's got a little awkward. That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but folks, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in because we keep it real here on the podcast. Hey, but it's, uh, it's less work if you don't. So, <laughs> Dean, before we, uh, yeah, that's right. Before we get to the stuff we love segment, I just thought I'd say a couple of things about the uh, hockey game I attended this past weekend. I was at the yeah. New Jersey Devils Philadelphia Flyers Stadium Series. At MetLife Stadium, this is one of the outdoor games the NHL does during the season. And <clears throat> I ended up buying tickets to it pretty late. Got decent seats on StubHub. It was one of the most unique sports experiences I've ever had. Uh, first off, it was freezing. I think the game time temperature was something like 31.7 degrees, not taking into account the wind chill. So it felt definitely at least in the 20s. I went in a parka jacket, <laughs> a Old school hockey hoodie, devil's hoodie, a long sleeve shirt, a t-shirt, socks, shoes, gloves, 
old school Mighty Ducks, like warm wool hat. And I had hand warmers with me. And it took a long time to get through security, by the way, because apparently the hand warmers trigger something in these uh, metals. Interesting. There's some metals in there, the security worker told me. But I actually put the uh, hand warmers in my gloves at one point to stay warm. I it figured was... out why you're cold, Scott. What's that? You, you didn't. I figured out why you were cold. You didn't mention having pants on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went pantsless. That's my new thing. It's a look you, you, went, you went you went Donald Duck style to a hockey game. I, I hear that's what the millennials are wearing to Summer House. <laughs> I wanted to embrace that. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, and I was in pants, of course. So it's it's a strange <laughs> thing because the, through the first two periods or so, I was not that cold. But by the time the third period came around, my feet were freezing. And I looked behind me. We were in the second row of the upper deck. And our section was pretty full, but it was not like a normal sporting event. Nobody was really talking that much. Everybody was cold. People were even barely eating. If they were drinking anything, it tended to be like hot chocolate or something like that. Uh, but what was cool is that the Jonas Brothers played the pregame concert. That was right near oh, nice. us, which was fun. They played for about 40, 45 minutes. Then they had some nice pregame festivities with Max Weinberg of the E Street Band playing drums and speaking to the crowd. Jake Clemens, also from the E Street Band, doing the national anthem played it on the saxophone and everybody started singing along, which was awesome. I thought there was going to be a flyover, which there wasn't. Okay. Um, you know, when you watch the game in MetLife Stadium, you're not as close to the action as you would be if you were in an arena. This is my third Devils game, actually, in two weeks. I've been to a lot of games recently. And it took some getting used to watching from a distance, but it was cool. There's something about watching hockey outside in February, which is just really unique. And surrounding the rink, they tried to make it like a park. So every time there was a pause in the action, they would come out with somebody would walk a dog. People would be jogging. People would bring hula hoops. It was designed to be like a neighborhood hockey rink thing, which was pretty cool. That, that, that's a cool visual. My only complaint is that at the second intermission, when the Jonas Brothers came out for another performance, they didn't do anything different from what they had done before. It was more like a condensed intermission oh, performance, which is kind of strange. We left when it was 5-2 Devils in the third period. It was just freezing. It, it was, it got to be too much. But it was great. It was a unique sporting event. I mean, I would go again in a heartbeat, even knowing how cold it was. It was definitely a memorable experience. That's awesome. Yeah. If it, I, for those types of events, and they are events at that point, mm -hmm. you, you don't even have to be the most hardcore fan of that sport just to appreciate the whole production value you know moving a hockey game it's kind of funny moving a hockey game from inside to outside makes that much of a difference you know oh, it so does it's cool it changes you got to everything see such a, a special unique uh, experience yeah it was it was a lot of fun uh you'll be happy to know that a couple rows behind us some guy was wearing a hartford whalers gear way to represent yep and the person i was with saw them and said long live the whalers which was uh, pretty interesting and uh, yeah, that was just, I just wanted to share that quickly because we, we, I really resolved to talk more about sports here on the show and sports experiences. And I thought that was a really cool thing to share. It is. And, and we're at a time now, you know, football's over, obviously very entertaining Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, baseball is just starting up spring training. So yes, you, you really have to have an appreciation for either college basketball, pro basketball, or hockey to kind of fill the next at least two to three weeks because even spring training yes. games early in spring training you got to be pretty hardcore to to watch the teams that are the players that are either going to get cut and be free agents I, or ultimately fill up the uh the triple a and double a rosters i find myself watching those games simply to see the baseball you know what i mean yeah. to to say oh that's coming it's it's going to be here soon and yeah, to see I'm, that florida a, sunshine and arizona nice weather that's that's true i mean i'm a baseball fan through and right. through so I was watching college baseball this weekend. I guess, yeah. or, you know, I should say Sunday when we got home. Um, it's it's just something I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'll watch, especially as a Yankee fan. If sure. Even the double A and single A Yankees, I, I would watch them uh, just to watch baseball. Oh, yeah. So I'm the excited. The skill to level is insane. Back. It's just absolutely, the skill level is amazing. It really is. Well, that's, that's the funny part. And I, you know, my son is, he's all in on baseball. That's what he plays year round. Tried to get him to play other sports. He, he wants to play baseball. And, you know, I, I try to explain to him, like, some guy comes up, you know, take Carlos Rodon, for example, right? Had a horrible year last year. His ERA was over six. He is uh, the one-tenth of one percent, maybe more so, best pitcher on the planet. <laughs> you know, oh, he's yes. 
he's that good. Uh, if you're in the major leagues, if you're the 26th man on a roster, you're that good. Right. Um, and, and it's cool to watch these guys and you know, anybody that skilled at a craft perform. It's very true. One of the most interesting things about baseball is that the greatest players of all time will fail about seven out of 10 times when they're up at bat. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of double A ball over the past season and the movement on the pitches is major league quality. They're throwing 95. They're, they got movement on the ball. They're hitting with power. And a lot of these guys will never make it to the majors. That That's how good an athlete you have to be. And then I think about the NBA, right? You think about how many college basketball teams there are out there and how small the rosters of NBA teams are, right? To make it to the NBA and be on an NBA roster, you really are at in, a different in, level. Insanely elite. And in, in whether it's a physical gift combined with the skill right you know being being bigger or faster or you know the anticipation of the movement it's 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 an art to be honest going back to festival of the arts it's it's an art and a skill that you know they just did the all-star weekend for both hockey and um and basketball and watching the skills competition at basketball it's amazing what those guys can do unbelievable just amazing i think that a lot of people when it comes to the nba until they see a game in person, they don't appreciate the physicality of the game. It's not like you're playing a pickup game with your friends in uh, on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon or something in high school. It's a whole other level. And even with hockey, the speed at which these guys skate is out of this world. Yeah. It's like watching your podcast, Scott. Thank you. I could do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm kind of and, and, this, yeah, you know. And on the hockey side, the fact that the you forget that they're on ice because they're so good at it. And, you know, skating yes. backwards, skating sideways, that the things that they can do are just amazing. I, uh, before we get to stuff we love, I saw something I'd never seen at a hockey game before, which is uh, Jack Hughes on the Devils, who is one of their best players, was upset at a game, not the, not the Stadium Series game, a prior game. It was against the uh, LA Kings. And I couldn't tell if he was upset because he missed a scoring opportunity or felt he should have gotten a call. But as he was going back to the bench, he took his hockey stick and he slammed it against the glass boards right there in front of the fans and proceeded to slam it on the bench when he sat down. And then he threw his stick on the rink during the game. <laughs> that is a good old fashioned temper tantrum. Yes, absolutely. But anyhow, with that being said, let's turn now to the Stuff We Love segment. And this is where Dean and I are going to give you a recommendation of something we are enjoying right now. Uh, Dean, what is your Stuff We Love recommendation? So, Scott, I'm always looking for some sort of game to pass the time, uh, whether it's standing in line for 45-minute wait at Small World or waiting for a conference call to start at work or waiting to you know pick up my son from whatever activity. Sure. And th this one's probably been out for a while, but uh, I caught him playing a game uh, recently. I was like, oh, what is that? It looks kind of interesting. It's one of the New York Times games. So, you know, New York Times bought Wordle and Wordle was all the rage. Now nobody talks about it, even though some people still play it. Right. Uh, this one's also a New York Times game. It's called Letterboxd. Okay. And it's literally what it sounds like. It's a box and there's letters on each side of the box. And you have to make words that eventually use up at least one time each of the letters. And I think the challenge is to try to do it within five words or less. And, and you know, they're deliberately challenging. So there's not a lot of vowels involved. Sure. And you get some of those off consonants that, you know, V's and C's that aren't used in lots of words and stuff like that. So it's a new little challenge. Um, the math side of me views it as sort of a uh, permutation combination type problem. Obviously, there's some uh, literary side of that because you need to have a decent vocabulary to come up with some of the words that aren't using the core letters that we're used to using in vocabulary. Uh, but again, it's it's nothing tremendous uh it's probably not going to suck you in like uh candy crush where people were spending hundreds of dollars on that game every month sure. to get power-ups but this one um it, it caught me as something that's good to pass the time uh another little game to, to i don't even think you have to download it. you can play it right on their website yeah uh great recommendation and I, I love hearing a game as a recommendation we don't get those often enough so uh thank you dean that's a wonderful recommendation um I think I've said that now several times. How wonderful a recommendation. You must be really excited about that one. Yes. Uh, so my recommendation is a movie I saw on Netflix two nights ago. Was it last night? Maybe I don't even remember. Called The Greatest Night in Pop. It's a documentary about the recording of We Are the World and everything Boy, that went down that. behind the scenes at that recording session. And what's cool about it is that it really is a great throwback to the 80s. 
And when you think about all the artists that were on the song, We Are the World, you have Lionel Richie, Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, Cindy Lauper, Huey Lewis, uh, Bob Dylan, Billy Joel, Tina Turner, Kenny Loggins, and many, many others. And it just is a fun, really feel-good documentary uh, filled with nostalgia, and I immensely enjoyed it. So that is We Are the World. Uh, <laughs> that is, excuse me, the greatest <laughs> night in pop focusing on the recording of We Are the World. I like it. Um, uh, you made me think of another thing I want to put out here as a recommendation. Please. Because it's something something else that I watched, and I believe it's on Netflix. Have you watched the movie The Hill? The Hill. So The Hill is, uh, it's a actually a true story turned into a movie. They definitely um, changed part of the, the storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just came out, I think, at the end of last year. And it's about a, a baseball player. I think it was in the 70s. Uh, named ricky hill and he has a degenerative spinal disease Uh um, but he's a really accomplished gifted player true story true story uh from birth to age four you know he had leg surgeries it it almost invokes a little bit of forrest gump because he's wearing the leg braces in the beginning of the movie um and and i don't know if it's completely factual or if it's somewhat sensationalized as it might be for a movie um but it's on netflix it was eh, just over two hours i think um and really really good story um but it's uh yeah true true life story Uh, i think you'll find it interesting it it, i believe he's from the south there's a lot of spirituality in the beginning his father's a pastor uh you know kind of a definitely loving the family but kind of a tough love in a way Mm -hmm. Um, but just a really engaging story my son doesn't love to sit down and watch movies um so i just put this one on one day uh, as we're finishing up dinner and moved into our living room He's like, Dad, I don't want to watch a movie right now. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna put it on and check it out. And it grabbed him. Yeah. Um, so you know, we had a nice time, the three of us kind of just watching this movie together. So cool. it's called The Hill, the Hill. Netflix. Uh Dennis Quaid, I think, is probably the biggest okay. star in the movie. I, I did not see it, but I know of it because I remember yeah. uh Yeah, Dennis Quaid, legendary actor. Wow. Yeah. Bonnie Bedelia is in there. I didn't I didn't recognize a lot of the other people. Um, but definitely a, a worthwhile spend of yeah. a couple hours. Dean, sorry, I had to sneak a second one in. I love it. I definitely love it. Uh, Dean, would you like to tell our listeners where they could find you on the uh, interwebs? Sure. I'm I'm still on Twitter um, at ct underscore Mickey underscore man, and uh, I probably should have kept the same name. I guess that's what people did when they moved over to Blue Sky. I changed mine to Disney Dean, which is what I wanted on Twitter originally, right. and it wasn't available. Um, so you can catch me on either of those. Uh, I'm more reactive than proactive these days on both, but. Uh, Certainly monitoring and, and would love to catch up with any of your listeners. Awesome. Uh, I am on Twitter at ScottyBoy4. I'm on Blue Sky. I think in my same name there. So ScottyBoy4.BlueSky.Social.Com or whatever it is. That's my username. And the podcast can be found on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram and TikTok at Stuff We Love Podcast. We are on Blue Sky also at Stuff We Love Podcast, where our website is StuffWeLovePodcast.Podbean.com. And our email is stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so, please feel free to subscribe and check out those prior episodes. Uh, Let's go around the table one more time. I am Scott. And I'm Dean. And this has been the Stuff We Love Podcast.